Hello, Internet friend. I'm David Ravel, and this is ValueSide for Wednesday, September 27. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valuesign.com. Well, today, a political tsunami threatens to wipe away support for the Ukraine war. What today is beginning to crest as a significant political tsunami began just a few months ago as a little pebble tossed in the European pond by former German Chancellor Angela Merkel. It was to be a human interest article by the German magazine Desitz. It's the kind of article editors often add during a slow news day. So Miss Merkel was asked to reminisce about her work on the Minsk Agreement. Now, the two Minsk agreements have long since faded from our collective memories. As I recall, these diplomatic negotiations took place back in 2014 and 15 and were designed to end a conflict in some of the breakaway republics in Ukraine. Checking the Internet, I quickly discovered that it was the area of the Donbass, and it was occupied principally by ethnic Russians. There were accusations that portions of the Ukraine military, the Azov Battalion, had been shelling these people. It was alleged that up to 14,000 had died in the decade before the negotiations. Now, in the Dezitz interview, Merkel related how she was the chairwoman at MISC negotiating the agreements. Also signing the agreements were Francois Holland of France, Petro Poroshenko of Ukraine, Vladimir Putin of Russia, and, of course, Angela Merkel. Not only was the timing of these negotiations a surprise, but they occurred fully eight years before the war began between Russia and Ukraine. But her statement that her objective during the negotiations was, quote, an attempt to give Ukraine time, in other words, it was to give them time to build up Ukraine's military in its ultimate conflict with Russia. And it was that that caught our attention. It was duplicity at the highest level. And it destroyed the Ukraine narrative developed by NATO, Now, this narrative said that the Russian invasion of Ukraine was completely unprovoked and was a complete surprise to Western allies. Well, at the very least, NATO, the United States, and Europe had been preparing for this conflict for eight years, said Angela Merkel. Now, while we can argue the merits of the two sides of the conflict, there's little doubt that Chancellor Merkel's comments profoundly affected the Europeans. To the average German, French, English, or Spanishman, the ones bearing much of the cost of this war, this was an authoritative voice saying this conflict is not what you think it is. It began much earlier, and at least involved subterfuge on the part of the Western powers. As we'll see, much of last week's events show how profoundly Merkel's comments have changed public opinion. Hers was the first great fissure in the Ukraine narrative. Now, a week ago, President Volodymyr Zelensky spoke for 15 minutes before the United Nations. As you'd expect, most of the speech centered on Ukraine's conflict with Russia. However, he did manage to squeeze in a slight aimed at Bulgaria, Romania, Poland, Hungary, and Slovakia. Now, while the rest of the European Union has elected to lift the import restrictions dare we call them sanctions, of imported Ukrainian grains, these five elected to maintain their bans. This part is critical. These five countries, Bulgaria, Romania, Hungary, Slovakia, and Poland, did not change their position vis-a-vis Ukraine grain. They kept 
the status quo. Now, Ukraine is one of the world's largest exporters of grain, ranking in the top six in its production of corn, barley, rye, and wheat. When the war began with Russia, Ukraine saw that increasing grain exports would help support its war effort. So the increase in grain exports began. This increase in supply quickly lowered the price of grain throughout the entire European Union, hurting local farmers who found they could not compete. Now, the EU responded by slapping restrictions on Ukrainian grain. These restrictions ended on September 15. Now, aiming at the five countries that continued their restrictions, Zelensky said in his UN speech that, quote, We are working hard to preserve the land routes for grain exports, and it is alarming to see how some in Europe play out solidarity in a political theater making thriller from the grain. They may seem to play their own role, but in fact, they are helping set the stage for a Moscow actor, unquote President Zelensky. Now, of course, Poland has been the main land route for the exports of Ukrainian grain, the imports of arms and military supplies to Ukraine, and the chief route that Ukrainian immigrants use to escape the war. Poland has been a principal support in Ukraine's ability to fight. And now, Zelensky chose the UN's global forum to suggest that Poland and the others were becoming allies of Russia. It was too much for the Polish Prime Minister Moritzki. On Saturday, he shot back, quote, I want to tell President Zelensky never to insult Poles again, as he did recently during his speech at the United Nations. Moritzki was speaking at a campaign stop in Swidniks, a reminder that the Polish elections are just three weeks from now, an election in which the Polish farmers are a crucial swing vote. Any Polish politician supporting Ukraine imports will immediately lose the farmer vote and thus the election. Zelensky's petulant comments that the Poles are setting the stage for Moscow are at best naive and at worst incredibly destructive. Losing Poland or any of the other four countries would be a most severe blow to Ukraine's war effort. Poland's logistic support alone is essential to Ukraine's ability to fight. However, there's much more to this story than a mere trade dispute. Later in the day, on September 20, Prime Minister Moritzki said that Poland is, quote, not sending more weapons to Ukraine, a statement that made headlines all across Europe, and if valid, it would be devastating for Ukraine. It also caught Polish diplomats entirely by surprise. Government spokespeople quickly assured everyone that Poland's current agreements to send weapons would be completed. After all, Poland has just sent Ukraine four Soviet-era MiG-29s this year, with 13 more to come later. Polish diplomats have tried to defuse the growing gulf between the two allies throughout the week. But clearly, something is brewing beneath the surface and about to emerge. So leave it to Poland's Minister of Foreign Affairs, Zbigniew Rao, to put his finger on it. A seasoned lawyer, an academic, and a diplomat, Rao is the chairperson for the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, the exact position that Angela Merkel held a decade ago. 
So if there's anyone who can understand the ramifications of her comments this summer, it was Rao. And I think that Rao sees it all. The political impact of Chancellor Merkel's duplicity, Ukraine's Zelensky's blunder, placing Poland and the others in a corner, and the anger exhibited by Moritzky. But most of all, I think Rao understands the public opinion is changing. In Rao's words, there's been a, quote, been a radical change in Polish public opinion perception of Ukraine and of the Russia-Ukraine war. It was a radical change in public opinion in Poland and much of Europe. You see it in the growing demonstrations against the war and in the opinion poll numbers for leaders like Germany's Schultz, France's Macron, England's Sunak, and there are even rumors that Ukraine's Zelensky's popularity is very low, although he won't need to worry about the election. After all, he canceled them. And the tsunami grows. And that's Value Side for Wednesday, September 27. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. I'm David Ravel. Value Side is independently written and researched. The views expressed are strictly my own. <laughs>